sounded this morning. She's pretty, pretty upset this morning. Uh, it's Carrie Davis. Uh, so on on the loss of her husband Leonard. The book of um, Enoch tells us that's not biblical, but this is where we get this. These demons are the souls of the Nephilim, the fallen ones. Some of them are sharper, wiser than others. And um, I believe that they can get, it either happens one way or the other, they get glimpses into the future somehow. They're not perfect. They don't have perfect foresight. Either that or they say something and then they make it happen. They say that, um, okay, like 1900, this fellow Ingersoll Lockwood writes this Baron Trump's great adventure where Baron Trump uh, follows this path into Russia Mm. to visit the land of Goggle. He has a sidekick named Pence. He answers to a guy named Don. Strange. Very strange. And then the next thing he writes is, it's in 1900, the, it's called The Last President. It's a very short book. But it comes out saying that the New York City is in an uproar. Riots in the streets because a man who lived in a fancy apartment on Fifth Avenue. Remember, it's written in 1900. Lived in a Fifth Avenue fancy apartment. Won the presidency. 1900, the last president. That's where Trump lived. Fifth Avenue, New York. Okay, did the demon write that and then try to figure out a way to make it happen? That would be much harder. That would be much, much harder. So I'm kind of defaulting to the idea that they can see glimpses into the future or they are getting information from a higher power in their own ranks who gets a very modeled view of the future, glimpsing it, but not perfectly being able to tell it. That's most likely what it is. So they see there's going to be this Ohio train wreck. However it happened, terrorist accident, a little bit of, who knows. But, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. What, do you, what if we come out with a movie a year beforehand? Just to mess with these people. Just to really mess their minds up. And they do. That card game, 1994, the Illuminati New World Order card game. It's got the Twin Towers. I think I've shown you guys these pictures before. A card with, it says, it says uh, terrorist nukes. The two towers, are the, and one of them's cracked and burning, like it's going to fall over. Then one of the cards is the Pentagon. Big fire at the Pentagon. Like it got bombed. All this stuff. The pandemic. Masks, it showed masks. It showed uh, vaccines on the cards. Did I send you a link to that, Ray? Is that not creepy? It must. It very much is. Uh, this guy was hanging in a tree. One of them said, "Ate the flesh of dead animals," and the guy hanging beside him said, "Used an insensitive pronoun." Nineteen ninety-four. Used an insensitive pronoun. 
So, um, all we can conclude is that they do have a bit of a glimpse into the future, and they just, from their particular point, make a movie. I have a little clip in the Family Guy, I think it was the Family Guy cartoon, where he wins the Boston Marathon by using pressure cooker bombs to go off at the finish line and blow up his competition. Next thing you know, somebody does exactly that. Now, they could copy that. They could have seen that and decided to copy it. But some of this stuff you just couldn't fabricate on the fly. It's very strange, and we need to be aware of who we're dealing with. Well, that might have been getting a bit away from the lesson in Hebrews, but I still feel like it's worth saying. Um, verse 14 of Hebrews 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Most people do have a fear of death. And most people are sort of enslaved by it. A lot of people run the doctor with a snotty nose and they do it enough and they keep living enough and they think that's the reason I survive is because I go to the doctor all the time. I know. Verse 16, For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted. Christ did all this in a flesh and blood body. He withstood Satan's temptation. He withstood it. He overcame it. For our sakes, this is who he is. Chapter 3, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus the Apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope 
of which we boast. Now, there's some ifs there, aren't there? But um, the uh, Old Testament, you had the temple courts, you had the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies of the temple. And that's a perfect picture of someone kind of straying over into God's direction in the outer court, mingling, talking to others. Well, I think I'm going to draw a little bit closer. Then you go on into the inner court toward the Holy of Holies where God, His Holy Spirit, is dwelling. And you're close. You're, you've got your favorite place to sit every time you go to church on this inner court. You get mad if somebody shows up and sits in your seat, got there early. That's the inner court. That's not the Holy of Holies. But that, from that point, you do need to persevere. You do need to hang in there. If we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast, hold on to it. Stay close. Don't get mad and leave the church. Not, 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 just stay right there. Because at some point, the Lord's work will happen in your life and you will enter the Holy of Holies and you will feel a completely different person. I lived through this. I lived through seven years. Maybe I was, I was vacillating between the outer court and the inner court back and forth. But this word, reading this NIV Bible, when I have opened it in front of me right now, I got saved reading it. I've told people that before. And it changed me. And I knew that this word was true. And I knew it was sufficient. But you have to, your little part, if you're going to be doing a part, is to draw close and stay close until it takes root. You know, if you plant a garden and just the first little shoot of whatever plant you may put in the ground springs up. If you rub it into the dirt, it's going to die. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but it will. But that requires care, doesn't it? Uh, to an extent. You, you know, you can't trample that. So that's the way I would explain some of these verses that tell you if you do this, if you persevere, if you hold on to this. If, because the, the point at which you are truly saved and in Christ and He in you, that happens while you're here on earth. That happens in this life. You enter, spiritually speaking, that Holy of Holies. Then you have achieved it. You're not waiting to see if you make it into heaven or not when you die. You know that you will. You know that God has changed you. He's made you a new creature. You should feel like a new creature. Verse 7 of chapter 3. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. 
during the time of testing in the desert. Isn't it interesting how he says, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion when you were being tested in the desert. Well, I'm reading this right now. Other Jewish people, I'm not Jewish, other people, Jewish people be reading this now. I didn't get tested in the desert. That was a long time ago. To God's way of seeing it, to God's way of putting things, you are a type of person who would do exactly what they did back then. You would. We would all go through those same pitfalls. So don't do it as you did in the rebellion. In time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Don't come into the inner court on your way to the holy holies and turn away. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. There's another if. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And no one can. If you don't believe, you're not going in to that holy of holies, salvation in the Lord, you're not going in. It's by faith that you're saved. Why do some people believe and some don't? I think that we all have the same capacity to believe as well as the same capacity not to believe. It is just what we do. The Samaritan, you know, the fellow is beaten and robbed and left for dead. And all these holy than thou people cutting a wide path around him. But then the, the traveler comes along and he helps that man. Why did he choose to do that while the rest of them were just too good to even get near him? What is it in a person's heart that causes them to be so selfish and uncaring? They did a study on a seminary campus somewhere. And these young folks going into the ministry uh, were told that they needed to be at a certain place at a certain time for a meeting. 
and they sent each one, you know, you'd be there, at, you know, 215 sharp. They sent each one individually. And there's a fellow walking along the sidewalk in front of him about 15, 20 paces, and he falls to his knee, clasps his chest, and rolls over onto the grass. It's a shame to say that more than two-thirds of them didn't even stop. I think it was more like three-quarters of them didn't stop. It was so bad there near the end, they told the actor to fall across the sidewalk. And one young girl walked up to him and stepped over him and kept going to make her appointment so she could do something to better herself. Those are not the kind of people that God wants. God's going to watch how you behave in day-to-day life and see if you're the kind of person that would step over someone who was in bad need of help or seemed to be. If you're that kind of person, do you think he's going to draw you to himself? Nope. That's not who he wants. Any of those people could have chosen to do the right thing. But there was a selfish nature in most of them that didn't care about someone else. Why is there so much evil in the world? Because there are evil people in the world and we have free will to do evil things and that's what we do, evil things. Let's do a little chapter four here. No, we should be able to get all of chapter four. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. How could you fall short of entering his rest? Putter around in the inner court, decides you got better things to do and leave. Not staying long enough for the Lord to have his way on in your soul. Not staying, not listening. Verse 2, for we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. They heard it, but they did not have faith. They didn't really believe it. Now we who have believed enter that rest, Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. God is resting from his work. How do you enter his rest? You rest from your work. You stop being the author of your own salvation and seeing how many gold stars you could get for church attendance or, you know, you can set any records at the church bake sale with your cookies. You donate a big chunk of money to put a stained glass window in the church just making sure that your name's on the plaque at the bottom of it. 
that's work. You're not, you're not resting. You're not resting. Verse 6, it still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. No faith, didn't obey. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. People do that. I got a family member very close to me that hears his voice, softens her heart within a matter of days, 180, going the other direction. Over and over and over again, seemingly. Verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. I don't believe that's talking about heaven after this life. If you're saved, you have entered his rest now. There's trouble in this world, but Jesus said, Be of good cheer, I've overcome it. Verse 11, Let us... Therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I like the King James with that, with whom we have to do. He sees it all. Many people, many professing Christians sort of live a double life. I'm going here and doing that and there and doing this and God, you know, God, I'll see you Sunday uh, at church. Verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Read read verse 8 again. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. That's what I have in this. You say Joshua. That's what it says. King James says Jesus. Isn't that something? I didn't know that. Well, this is talking about, it, it could be 
you know, Jesus, God through Joshua. But, you know, this is talking about the Old Testament um, Hebrew people, right? See what I mean? The footnote here, for what they're worth, Joshua, Moses' successor, could not lead all the people into the rest of dwelling in their promised land because of their unbelief. Likewise, the believer today cannot enjoy a fully satisfying Christian life unless he believes all the promises of God. And even then he looks forward to that perfect future rest. And I say we rest in Christ now. And um, we won't lose that. If you're in the Holy of Holies now, if the Holy Spirit's in you, you're sealed. You won't lose that. For if Jesus had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. wonder why the KJV put Jesus there. Jesus and Joshua are the same word. Okay. In the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why all those Hebrew reads people call him Yahshua. Which is okay. I mean, Chuck messed with us up. Yeah. Um, or did, though. Yeah. He's still doing it. This is a new King James. Let me just see what it's got. It really doesn't matter what you call him as long as you call him the Lord, King of creation, Lord of all. Yes. What dialect you use is probably not important. Unless you're trying to be a Hebrew and introduce the law back into Christianity, that would be the problem. The um, new King James says Joshua there. regular King James you know every time I try to look up and find out the difference between the authorized version and the new and the King James version uh, yeah they authorized means that the King of England authorized it the new King James is a slight derivation of the antiquated words Does say Jesus in this King James, but you're right, Jerry. It is the same. Um, but I don't think that it meant to say Jesus Christ right there at all, no. because the um, he's talking to the Hebrews. He's talking to these, you know, those who Paul were, wrote this. He's writing it to the Hebrews. And yeah, he's or whoever. Up, wrote it. Yeah. He's really establishing that Jesus is that high priest that comes that does not have to. Go in and offer any more sacrifices like the old high priest. This is what the whole book is about. Yeah. And so he's going to use Joshua because he's writing it to, to the Hebrews. Yes. So as you read your King James, you should, should understand that Jesus in that particular spot isn't talking about Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. He would have been talking about Joshua. Interesting. Never noticed that. All right, let's join hands and Ron, let me have you close us. Father, we are truly grateful for being able to gather this evening. We pray for the Davis family. Yes, God. That they know peace with the loss of Reverend Davis. Lord, we 
ask that you guide over us and keep us safe until we meet again. We are grateful for what you have given us, and we pray that we never lose sight of that. Thank you, God. In your heavenly name we ask it. Jesus, amen. 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 amen.